for you to anoint your children as a prophetic act, that, declaring that they will walk in their royal priestly anointing that the Lord has called them into according to 1 Peter. This is what I want to challenge the dads to do, is you take this anointing oil, don't cover your kids in it. Now for some of you, because of your dietary restrictions, you'll need to drink the oil and anoint your kids with a candy bar. For the rest of us, we'll eat the candy, and I know you always have to share with the wives and the kids all the time. I want to encourage you to take this, pop the whole thing in your mouth, smile at your family, smile at your kids as you enjoy it. The bottle of oil is for them. I want you to anoint your children, and I don't care how old they are, I want you to anoint them. Don't pour it over them. It's not Aaron, and you don't need it running through their hair, but that you'll anoint them and declare over them the favor of God. Declare over them that they're, they're the royal priesthood that God has called them to be. You're the authority in your household. Step up and be the dad that your kids need you to be. Don't walk in your capacity. You are inadequate. But in Christ Jesus, you can do all things. And this is one of the things you should be doing. I challenge the dads. I'm always gentle with the moms. I challenge the dads. Step up. Step up. Step up to those, for those that are your children, spiritual children, physical dads. Step up. For some of you, you may have no fatherly figure in the natural. And sometimes us as dads, we suck at this. You press into your heavenly father. I don't want to make this a somber moment, but this could also be a tough Father's Day for you. Because it could be your first Father's Day without Dad. Perhaps he, he passed away. I don't want to focus on that, but I do want to pray for us. Perhaps it's the second or third Father's Day, and it's just a bit of a reminder. And uh, we trust that God will bring healing. So, can we do that really quickly? Just We just pray. Say, Heavenly Father, loving Father, awesome Father, perfect Father. I just pray that your, your completeness will, will repair our brokenness where perhaps on a day like this, there's something that actually has a knee-jerk reaction in our souls because dad wasn't who he was supposed to be. Dad doesn't, didn't do what he was supposed to do. And perhaps, or perhaps dad is no longer with us. Lord, I pray for healing in this moment so that those that are mourning will, will recover, that you bring joy, and that those that need to see a true representation of the Father will have a glimpse of you, our King. I pray this in Jesus' name. I pray blessing over every dad here. Every dad, every dad that's joined us online, I pray a blessing over them. In Jesus' name. Lord God, help us. Amen. All right, let's get to the real business. Who's the dad here with the most children? Don't make it weird. Because I've had these statements, well, I have six children that I know of. <laughs> that's not cool. That's not what we're doing today. So we, we kind of want to honor the dad with the most kids, and it's the most children, and the most grandkids, and the most great-grandkids, and the most whatever you have. I don't know where it ends in this place. So we're going to start off. If you, if, let's just do children, children, and grandchildren. If you have more than 20 dads, if you have more than 20, will you pop your hand up, please? Really? Only 20? <laughs> Is there people with more than 20? 25? 30? 40? 
You're just going to keep your hand up the whole time, Jack. You had a, Jack, please come and get this candy bar. <laughs> yeah, well, you, t- you took the book of Genesis seriously. So, all right. Who's the dad with the oldest car? Who's got a classic here? All right, let's go. Don't tell me you have a horse. That's not the original car. Okay, let's go. 1960s? 1950s? 57. Can we beat 1957? What do we got there? 54. 54. We cannot make stuff up, friends. This is the church. (laughs) All right, do we have... have not your age, your vehicle's age. All right, just want to make sure. Is 54 the limit? If you're joining us online and you've got a vehicle that's older than 1954, you should have gone to church. <laughs> yeah? And the, the vehicle's running. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this is the real one, and this is... Uh, I love this about the USA because you all think a small engine is anything smaller than a seven liter. So the dad who's got the vehicle with the biggest engine capacity. <coughs> Not anything bigger than a seven liter. I don't work in that, I'm, I'm saved. You guys will measure anything using anything except just the normal millimeters, centimeters. Okay. Actually, you don't deserve this one. No. Keep this one for me. Yeah. Cannot count. It's just shocking. That's why you're free. You don't know how to measure anything. Anyway. Don't let me get into answers. <laughs> All right, let's make this more real. This is more sensitive and more dear to my heart. Dad with the longest beard. <laughs> I've tried this one on Mother's Day. Everyone got offended. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in it to win it. Now, now, yeah, my wife warned me about you. Come, come we're going to measure this. Come, you've got to have more than a fistful. Go back to see. Yeah, yeah. Just that's for the kids with the best dad. Let's pray. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, I just pray that you will uh, help me as I preach this morning, as I share, that uh, it'll impact our lives, that because we get to read the powerful Word of God, it'll shift something in our lives. Uh, we pray this. Yeah. Come, Holy Spirit, come and work in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Sorry, Farley, will you come here, please? Will you give that to Sir Jeet? He's the youngest dad. Yeah, thank you. It's not for you. 
How, how old is Adira? She's two weeks. Two weeks old. You have every excuse. Where's the camera? You have every excuse to stay at home with a two-week-old, but you're here. I should pray again, but I'm not going to. I like this one story. Uh, it ties in well with Father's Day. Uh, of this little boy who's playing outside in the backyard, and his dad's watching him through the back kitchen window, and he's watching as the little boy's playing, and uh, a little boy's playing around this big rock that's in the garden, and the little boy decides he wants to get rid of this big rock, and the dad's watching, and the little boy tries everything. He goes, and he gets a lever, and he sets up a fulcrum system, and he tries to move the rock, and he kind of gets it to budge, and he shifts around, and he gets every, he cleans up the whole area around the rock. He just cannot move this rock, and he walks inside, and he kicks the cat, and he's so frustrated, and the dad said, what's wrong? He said, I've tried everything, and I couldn't move the rock. Nothing that I did, not, there's nothing more I can do, and the dad just smiles at him and says, well, there was one more thing you could have done to move the rock. He said, Dad, there's nothing that could have moved the rock. He said, well, you failed to ask me. You failed to get me involved. That's good. That's my preach. All right, I'll build more into it. I'll read from Ephesians. We're working through our identity. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 says, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father. For this reason. I love it that I get to read this on Father's Day. We don't always plan these things. We set up the series, but I'd never planned this, looked at Father's Day, and thought we can get this scripture to overlap. But it's fantastic that my opening scripture can be, for this reason, I bow my knees, my knees before the Father. I love it that he says, for this reason. Paul's saying, I'm writing this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. He's speaking about what had already happened. He's speaking about this great mystery of the gospel. He's speaking about, it really spoken at the beginning of Ephesians that Christy had done so well opening, us to, uh, opening up the scriptures just last week. But he says, for this reason, the reason being, it's this mystery of the gospel. There's something extraordinary about the gospel, there's this mystery that we have to try behold. And part, there's so many mysterious things about the gospel that I don't understand, I don't profess to understand because God is bigger than me, He's bigger than my little brain, and I'm comfortable with that. But the mystery is when I try to look at it, I, I go, some of it you have to look at it and go, the mystery of God is that this omnipotent being, omni, just all powerful, will live in the frailest, weakest product of dirt. The sinful is occupied by the sinless. The one that is unrighteous has the righteousness, the full righteousness living in him. It's mysterious. It's this incredible God living in us. It's this incredible God caring about us, saving us, being interested in our well-being. For this reason, I bow my knees. I bow my knees, he says. He's not teaching us that we must always bow our knees when we pray. Abraham stood before God. David sat in the presence of God. But he says, for this reason I bow my knees, is that it's an attitude that we need to have when we pray. If I think of the mysteries of God, I don't try to spend my life trying to figure God out. Please don't do that. Do not try to figure him out. Get to know him. Yeah. Knowing him is different to figuring him out. Trying to figure him out, it's too big, it's too complex, it's too great. Getting to know him is simple. But the way we get to know him is a heart attitude. For this reason, I bow my knees. My attitude is that I'm willing to bow down humbly to get to know him. I think too many of us, we're getting to know God on the level of, well, I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you what you should do for me. I'm going to tell you what you should call me into. 
I'm going to, as opposed to, this is the Apostle Paul. He could have had a bit more confidence. But he comes, he says, this is the attitude. This is what I do. I come with a humble heart. I bow before this reason. It's the mysteries of God. For this reason, I bow my knees. I bow my knees. Is that the attitude that we're cultivating in our lives? Do our children, dads, do our children look at you? And moms, you're included. Do your children look at you and go, I can see mom and dad bowing to God in the way they live. I can see mom and dad, their their humility towards others, their love for each other, the way they speak to each other, treat each other. I can see that mom and dad, mom and dad, their lifestyles bow before God. I fail regularly. I'm not standing up here as though I've somehow mastered this or am proficient in it or even get it wrong most right most of the time. But it's why it's the greatness of God that forces me to remind myself, this is the reason. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. I humbly come, adopting an attitude of humility. It says that we come boldly to His throne, but I come humbly to His throne. Can I tell you what true humility is going to look like with God? Lord, what you ask me to do, I'll do. Not I will tell you what I want, you will make it happen. I, don't, I hear people say to me, you know, I was talking to God, and he said this, and I said, no way, I'm not doing that. And then I said this, and I said, God, you must stop. I've had an encounter with God where he's spoken to me audibly. In an instant, I started weeping like a little baby. If you're telling me you're arguing with God, you're arguing with your own thoughts. God will say stuff, and I'm going, no. You must go. No, no, I will, but I'm scared. My heart attitude has to be one of, I'm scared, I can't do it, but because of you, I don't have to understand why. I allow the mystery to be real. But your glory outshines my fear. Your kindness overwhelms me. I want to speak a bit about that this morning. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. He's a good dad. He's a good dad. He's, I, I watched a video clip and this guy was arguing the fact that God hates not only sin, but God despises sinners. And he was taking scripture and manipulating it like funny putty to try and make it work for his argument. And I'm saying, if you cannot have John 3.16, for God so loved the world, fit over your doctrine, your doctrine is wrong. Loves the sinners despises the sin. No, the word says he hates the sinner. Now, when God is referencing that kind of stuff, he's speaking to those that were killing the Israelites. He hated that. I'm speaking to you today. God loves you. I do not fit God's love into my understanding when I think of my children, and I love them dearly. But when I think about my grandson, it's different. Folly. It's different. There's a different level of love when it's your grandkids. If my kids messed the way he did, we'd have a different discussion. But he comes and he's messing. I'm like, put the kid upside down. We can get more food out of him that way. I'm not saying God does that with us. But there's a different level of love that we have to understand about God, about our Father. We have to understand. I want to get to this. For this reason, I bow my knee before the the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Sorry, that's not saying that every person. If we say the whole world is God's children, that's false doctrine. 
Those that are unsaved, their father is the devil. That's what Jesus said. Their father is the devil. We are not all God's children. Those that through faith, those that through faith have been redeemed are children of God. But the statement that we're all children of God, he's just going to kill some of them. No. This is speaking about before Jesus and after Jesus. We all, stick with me, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Why does he want you to be strengthened? Paul's praying this prayer. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, that you may be strengthened with power through his spirit. Why does he want us to be strengthened? This is Paul saying, I want you, church, to have an, an outpouring of power into your very being. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. I need his strength to be rooted and grounded. I love the reference, rooted and grounded. It's the reference of a tree. Trees are rooted in the ground, stabilized. It's the tree of life. Being rooted and grounded in the tree of life. May have strength to comprehend. Paul's saying, without the strength of the Holy Spirit, you will not be able to understand what I'm about to say to you. Verse 18, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask. Little boy asking his dad. He's, far, he's able to do far more than what we begin to ask. He's able to do more, but how little do we ask of him? He speaks about the height. There's four dimensions. The real world only has three dimensions apparently. That's what we've always believed. Length, breadth, height, that's a, an object. It has a length, it has a depth, it has a height. It cannot have more than that. Later scientists then started saying, well, actually the fourth dimension is the, the reality that actually time has bearing on it as well. So it's the fourth dimension, then they found the fifth and sixth, and they've gone up to the twelfth now, expanding the spiritual realm. Eventually science is catching up to the Bible. That's wonderful. Um, the science is really making it more difficult to be an atheist these days, so just a shout out to the scientists. <laughs> I don't think Paul was speaking about the time, even though it's crazy in Genesis 1, God already tells us about how we should understand the fourth dimension. He says, I'm going to make everything when, in the beginning, there's going to be time applied to the physical world. I don't think it's that. Some people would reason going, well, actually, when it speaks about the length and the breadth and the depth and the height, it's speaking about the quality of love. So it doesn't matter how far you go that way, you cannot begin to comprehend his love. It doesn't matter if you go that way, you cannot begin to comprehend his love. It doesn't matter how high you try and go, you cannot begin to comprehend his love. Or how deep you want to go, you cannot begin to comprehend his love. And then the quality of his love is so ridiculous that the Holy Spirit will literally have to strengthen your very being and allow you to begin to comprehend how much he loves you. Just to give you a glimpse For me, uh, my best reference, uh, I had an incredible father, really amazing dad. Uh, just, he, he, he was authoritarian, he was loving, 
Um, he, he, he carried the weight of authority so well. He never ever gave me a spanking. He had the kind of voice that could shift your DNA. I, I'd do something, he'd go, no. And that is his high-pitched voice, no. And I'd feel my heart would melt like wax. I think scripture speaks about how the Israelites felt when Goliath was barking at them. Lovely dad, zero tolerance. He was a cop, he was chief cop, and he was a lead elder in the church. So he had all this, and he loved me. And um, one day, I'm, I'm on my bicycle, and I'm going for it, and he'd run with me while I'd cycle. And this vicious dog runs out at me. And I panicked. I had incredible, just, I realized this is going to be a problem. <laughs> My dad, why are these buckets empty? <laughs> I'll try that again at the end of the meeting. My, my dad, he steps in, in front of... Oh, he can fix that. Have you got something for each one? Oh, I'll put in this one. Is that everything? Yeah. God doesn't have favorites, but I do. Okay, didn't mean to start that, but we'll wait. So, anyway. My dad steps in front of me, he pushes me aside, gets me behind him, and he grips this dog. Now, I'm sorry if you're an animal lover, but he picks this dog up by the neck, by the throat, and this thing's snarling, and it's really upset. And, and what had happened was the, the, the person on the street had opened their gate while they were backing out their car and the dog had run out. My dad's got this dog by the throat and he's walking. It wasn't a small man. And he's walking. So he switches hands. <laughs> says to the guy, here's your dog. Throws it over the wall. Dog lands. Tong, 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 tong. You know that, that dog song of celebration? The, there we go. There we go. And the dog's gone. And the... The dog's owner looked at my dad and said, well, he started saying something. My dad looked at him. He apologized. We carried on. And in that moment, I realized it actually doesn't matter what is coming for me. My dad will always step between us. Whatever's coming at me. I had this, and I, was, I must have been about five or six years old. For me, that story stuck with me. I always trusted my dad. It's when I got saved, I learned that's how I trust God. I was on my... The real story is I'd gone riding my bicycle and my dad had said, look, cut left up here. And I said, no, I prefer this because there was a downhill and I know what would happen with the downhill. I'd catch the downhill and my dad would have to drag my lazy backside back up the hill on the other side. I'd gone down that side. I thought my dad was stopping me from going on the downhill because he didn't want to take me up. He knew that the risk down there was just too high. But even though I went and did something stupid, something that was not ideal, something that was not the path that he had set out for me, he followed me on that path. He was with me on the path. And when the dog came to see me hurt and injured, he stepped in and dealt with it. And he never rebuked me for being on the wrong path. All he said was, can we try the next one in future? <laughs> to understand the height and the depth and the width and the love of the love. I was going through this text yesterday and I thought, Lord, I'm satisfied with that explanation that it's, it doesn't matter how far I run that way and that way and that way and that way. The quality of your, of your love is adequate. 
And I had this sudden thing just drop into my mind. And the Lord just reminded me in the original Greek text, there would always be four different words used for love. The Lord said to me, I love you on every single level. The, the eros is the erotic love, but it can also be known as the passionate love. You've got the passionate love in Greek, it's eros. You've got the philia love, which is the brotherly love. Um, you get the storge love, which is just the, the love that you're, you kind of... The, sto, the storge love is kind of this general love and appreciation of everything. And then you get your agape love, which is your, it's like a godly love and acceptance. The Lord just said to me, I love you on every single possible level that you could imagine. I love you. Why am I harping on this this morning? Why are we stuck on the love of God? Because we live lives as though he's holding back. We live lives as though there's something that he's, he's reluctant to give us. There's something good, there's something amazing that God has for me, but he's not giving it to me because he's a mean God, or he's upset with me, or he's frustrated with me. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Heavenly Father that you can just understand the love that He has for you. For this reason, I'm saying to you this morning, Dayspring, I ask God that He will give you a glimpse through the power of His Holy Spirit of how much He loves you and what He wants to do in you and through you. For this reason, I bow my knee. For this reason, I pray for you, Dayspring Church. For this reason, I pray for Springfield, that Springfield will get to know the love of Jesus through us. For this reason, I bow my knee. So that God will use me. The only challenge is God is not going to do through me what I'm not letting him, to, letting him do in me. We, we want the Lord to, to release this 100% power over us, but we're only giving him 5% access to our lives. He will not pour through us that which he will not allow to settle in us because we're holding back. He's trustworthy. Love is trustworthy. Take a risk. I was this morning during worship. I boast in nothing but Christ Jesus and Him crucified. But I'm standing this morning and I, I have the sense of, Lord, what can I give? What must I do? Where must I go? And I heard this one word here. Here. Lord, where must I go? What must Here. Where must I pour out my life? Here. It, for, I'll share that for years. I'll, when I say to the Lord, where must I go? What must I do? God would say to me, I'll show you. Where must I go? What must I do? What must, God will say, I'll show you. The, the response started changing. He'd then respond to me and say, you'll see soon. It then started changing. I'm calling you across the ocean. I'm standing in this church this morning. He says, here. I celebrate that he loves you that much. Not I'll explain this to you. I'm willing to go to Afghanistan. I'll go to Kazakhstan. I'll go to any other stun. I'm from South Africa. There we survive anything. If I'm willing to go anywhere, I would uproot my family and I would go anywhere. It's the love of Jesus that compels me to go where he calls me. And it's the love of Jesus that highlights Dayspring. 
Please do not think for a second, oh, well, now this guy's expecting us to honor him. I'm not saying that. Dayspring is on his radar. Dayspring is on his radar. Dayspring, he loves you with silly love. Do you know how, how did Isaac identify Jacob and Esau? Do you know how? He sniffed them. He sniffed his kids. Do you know how much time you need to spend with your children to be able to identify their different sense? Do you spend enough time with God that the scent is actually shared? Do you spend enough time with your children? For this reason, I bow my knee before the Heavenly Father. It's because I love Dayspring and I love Springfield and I love this church and I love this city and the city needs help and the city needs change and we need change and we need help. We need to see the power of God released over this church and therefore we're going to start changing something. We're going to start bowing our knees differently. For this reason, I say this with me. For this reason, I will bow my knees to the Heavenly Father as often as I can on a Thursday evening at 6 p.m. If you're not too sure what's going on, grab somebody's candy bar. Maybe you just need the sugars to get the brain cells functioning. We're going to start changing the way we do prayer meetings. Um, we're going to start from the 6th of you know, July the 6th. We're going to have uh, our start of our weekly prayer meeting. We have a whole lot of prayer meetings in the church, but our church-wide prayer meeting will be at 6 p.m. on Thursdays, every Thursday. It'll be for 45 minutes, and we're going to come and we're going to pray for this church, we're going to pray for your children and these ministries in our city every single Thursday until the Lord returns. There will be some Thursdays that we don't. But generally, every Thursday, we're going to do this. Because if Paul writes this, uh, this is the reason why I bow my knee to the, uh, my heavenly Father, that you will understand the height and the depth and the width and the length of the love of Jesus that he has for us. We need to start praying and bowing our knees that our city will start understanding the height and the depth and the length and the width that our Lord Jesus has for it. Our city has to be changed. Our city has to be changed, and he's going to use us. We are the agents of change. And I'm not calling you all to be evangelists. Some have been called to evangelists. Some have been called to be pastors. Some have been called to be apostles. Some, we're going to get there in Ephesians 4. But we all pray. And it'll be said for this reason, Dayspring Church. And you go, well, that's inconvenient. You need to grasp his love for us. You need to have it settle. That he loves us that much and it's going to become a standard in our lives. Can we agree with that? I want to share this quick story before I wrap up. <clears throat> Martin Luther, not the king, the original Martin Luther. He had an assistant. Uh, his name was Marconius. And in 1540, Marconius, who had been helping him, busy with the Reformation in the churches, was gravely ill. He had been given a few weeks to live and he wrote a letter to... Martin Luther, and this is what the, so the letter said, sorry, I'm busy dying, I will not see you again, I will not be of any assistance to you in the future. Luther receives the letter and sends back this reply. <laughs> this is his loving friend. I command thee in the name of God to live, because I still have need of thee in the work of reforming the church. The Lord will never let me hear that thou art dead, but will permit thee to survive me. 
For this I'm praying, this is my will, and may my will be done, because I seek only to glorify the name of God. Although Myconius had already lost the ability to speak when Luther's letter came, he recovered completely, lived six more years, and outlived Luther himself by two months. Historical fact. When the enemy wants to tell us the city's dead, we command thee in the name of God to live Springfield, Lebanon, Bolivar, Ozarks. I still have much need of thee in the work of reforming the USA. The Lord will never permit me to hear that thou art dead, but will permit thee to survive. For this I am praying, this is my will. It's my will that this church flourishes because it's, it's for the glory of his name. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your goodness, your kindness, your faithfulness. Thank you that your love was displayed on the cross. You held nothing back. You humiliated Jesus, stripped him on the cross, had him beaten to death, blood poured out, mocked, ridiculed, and you poured out all your wrath over him so that we don't have to deal with it when we accept Jesus Christ, the incredible gift that's Jesus. Thank you that you showed what love is. Lord, we will love our city and we will pray for our city and we're going to see things shift in our city and this city will flourish. We pray for every person that's listening to this message that we will flourish in you. But I want to challenge you this morning if you're listening to me and you've never made a commitment to bow your knee to the Heavenly Father and receive the gift of salvation that is Jesus Christ. The perfect God who came and died for your sins. If you've never made that commitment, you may be the only one in the room. I know this room is full of Christians. And it's not how you grew up. It's not that you grew up in church. If you've never made a commitment to follow Him, if you've never bowed your soul, before the Heavenly Father. I want to invite you this morning. I will not embarrass you in any way. If that's you this morning and you, you want to make a commitment, a public commitment, to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, to lay it all down, not to be a better person, but to be a child of God. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand really quickly, please, so I can see who I'm going to pray with. I will not embarrass you, I promise you. I don't see any hands. I don't see any hands this morning. But this morning, if you feel that you need to, you need to. Now's the time. You can feel the Holy Spirit's working in you. Your heart is racing. You don't know what's there. There's something happening. It's the Holy Spirit is calling you into this relationship with the living God. Do not think to yourself, let me first get everything sorted out. He's calling you as you are right now. He loves you just as you are. And he loves you too much to just leave you as you are. I don't see any hands. I'm, I'm very comfortable with that as long as you're comfortable with that. So Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for your love. 
Lord, I pray that we will start to understand, that you will strengthen us in our very being, that we'll understand the love that you have for us, that we'll be courageous. And Lord, that you hold nothing back from us. There's no good thing that you're holding back from us. Where the enemy has stolen our joy and our peace, that you restore that, King Jesus. Where the enemy has stolen our future, where we've lost sight of the destiny that you've called us into. Where the enemy is destroying our lives because of addictions and stupid habits. Lord God, I pray your love overwhelm us and address that in our lives. We want to. We want to walk, Lord, seeing every dream that you have for us fulfilled. Thank you, Lord God, for your faithfulness, your Amen. kindness. Can I ask you all to stand with me, please? Yes. We're going to come. If you're a follower of Jesus, uh, you've asked Jesus to come and be the Lord and Savior of your life. I want to welcome you to the communion tables this morning. Uh, that's what the communion is all about. It's a relationship between believers and the Lord. And so there are two tables up front. There are two in the back. Just make your way, whichever one's closer, to get your uh, bread and your cup. And we're going to share communion after everybody. I can notice everybody has their, their stuff. You know, on this Father's Day, uh, I have one son. I have a daughter. Uh, my son is 52. Had an opportunity to have uh, dinner with him last night. Uh, in Branson, uh, a wonderful time. And I can tell you with all honesty uh, that I love you. I love this church. I love the people of this church. But I would never sacrifice my son for you. God so loved you <laughs> that he gave his only begotten son for you. He sacrificed his son. The father had a desire, and the desire was for a family. And in order to come up with the family, he had to sow his son. And he sowed his son, and his son faithfully uh, carried out the, the desire of the father. And Jesus went to the cross. Before he went to the cross, he suffered stripes. He was beaten. That's why we take the bread. Jesus Christ was beaten for you. And the word says that by the very stripes that Jesus received, you've been healed. Healing was established <clears throat> right at the time of the cross. We recognize it and we receive it. I, I'm amazed. I shouldn't be amazed. So believable. I'll put it that way. It's so believable that there are people who receive physical healing taking communion. What testimonies? So there's the body, and then there's the blood. And I don't want to miss out, so I'm going to walk down here and get mine. <laughs> Jesus, 